Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I am Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, quirky, cute, and queer, your mechanic. Thanks for listening, drivers, or thanks for driving listeners. Either way, let's hit the road. quote is by Eric James Borges. My pain is not caused because I am gay. My pain was caused by how I was treated because I am gay. Last week, we reran an old episode, but last, last week, we discussed the importance of representation of LGBTQ folk in the media and in the stories of the world. Today, we're going to explore why this is so important through the lens of mental health. Research done by NAMI indicates LGBTQ individuals are more than twice as likely to experience significant mental health illnesses. Kim, can you tell us more about the risk factors for LGBTQ individuals? Yeah, definitely. NAMI recognizes seven general topics of mental health risks for LGBT or queer individuals. The first one being... Kim, Kim, let's let's, uh, remind them about what NAMI stands for. NAMI is the... National Association for Mental Illness. National Alliance Alliance. on Mental Illness. Okay. So NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, is where we've pulled most of this research. So this is a very big nonprofit that does research and provides support and does many, many amazing things for mental health and mental illness. They recognize seven general topics of mental health risks for LGBT and queer individuals. The seven are the coming out process, rejection, traumas, substance use, and homelessness, as well as suicide and inadequate health care. So starting at the top of that list of the, the coming out, a lot of people hear the narrative of queer individuals coming out of the closet is kind of the colloquial term for it. It describes when someone begins to talk more openly or tell others about their true identity and who they feel most comfortable identifying as. Um, Some of this can go really, really well. I have heard some really awesome stories. I know when I unofficially kind of sort of almost came out to the family. Everyone was like, that's nice. Mama got sassy because I did it with an entire horrible pun. And she was just like, I'm done with this. But she's done with my jokes in general. It's not true. (laughs) It was a very begrudging laugh, kind of like the heavy sigh dad joke laugh. Which That's it what was I get all joke. the time from the two of you, and I don't feel upset about it. <sighs> Did I say I was upset? No, I said that my coming out came really well. She just was sassy about it. It was great. It can also go really, really poorly. So in those cases, you've got the families that get torn apart, rejected. It becomes openly hostile. Sometimes a family member is kicked out or other very negative things happen as a result of coming out and being true to your own identity. You can kind of tell like that's going to be a mental health risk as well as something that's hard for the individual to balance. If you're sitting in a home and you don't feel comfortable being who you are 
and you don't feel comfortable talking to the people that you live with. That can have a serious impact on your mental health, your anxiety, depression, all of these different pieces fit into that narrative alone. That leads into rejection, which, like I said, can be part of the coming out narrative. And also, you have to deal with it in community because not everyone in society understands or believes in who you are, which can be really, really hard and really scary and isolating. And again, that tips into all of these other risk factors that queer individuals run into when they're trying to live the life that they find most important and true to themselves. Again, NAMI with some research, 40% of LGBT adults experienced rejection from a family member or close friend. That research was done in 2013. According to similar research, 56% of queer people felt comfortable telling their mother, 39% telling their father, and 40% have experienced rejection from their family or a close friend. Furthering that, 86% of queer individuals reported being harassed or assaulted at school, and this was in 2019. So if we're looking even outside of the family and close friends, and we're looking at an environment that young adults have to be in, you're required to go to school, at least in the United States, and you're stuck in this environment where you're getting harassed or maybe even assaulted at your school on top of whatever else is going on at home or within the community. And you can see how this starts to compound on itself and that mental health just leading into so many fears and anxieties and just mental illness. And you didn't even mention church communities or religious communities. And a lot of the teens that I've talked to who've grown up in a, a church community that they thought loved them and that they loved and they found a great deal of identity from all of a sudden rejecting them or struggling to accept them. And that's really hard if that's where your heart is. That's gotten better in the last couple of years, but still a heartbreaking deal because it's like an extended family for some people. Well, and religion in general being something that many people seek to find some form of comfort and understanding in life and then that being wrenched away from them. I'm not going to go into it too deeply because it's a heavy topic, but a lot of queer individuals experience some form of trauma. So bullying, hate crimes, physical assaults, sexual assaults, all of these different things are experiences of everybody. But and I forgot to look up the research for it, but I well, think you it's, just said 86 percent being harassed or assaulted at school. I mean, those are all traumas that yep, goes right correct. towards that. Yeah. And, and that's not even mentioning the teachers who may reject the student. Or just continuously invalidate them. So, I mean, I have clients that use they, them pronouns and teachers just refuse to use it or will consistently use a dead name. And listeners, dead name is the birth certificate name that may or may not be how that person identifies in the future. So... How do we cope with trauma and rejection and isolation and anxiety and depression when we don't really have a lot of resources? Unfortunately, a lot of people turn to substance use and substance abuse. A group of researchers, Huto, Quinn, and Dunbar, did a study and had several thousands of individuals included in this study. So... 
15,637 transgender individuals and 46,911 cisgender adults. What they noticed was transgender adults had a significantly higher prevalence of nicotine, alcohol, and drug use than cisgender adults. The difference was 16.6% of the population versus 5.4% of the population, which is an alarming difference. So that, that's a Three huge times. difference. Yeah of nicotine, alcohol, and drug use. And then when they examined the differences according to age, the study found that transgender adults aged 18 to 25 had the highest burden of all of these substance uses. Here you're seeing that middle chunk of individuals who have left the house and are really having to deal with this on their own with absolutely no other structure, which there are people who leave the home prior to 18. But, and you're also yeah. speaking to the, the whole idea here that these folks are, are not served well by healthcare in general. And so they're turning to what is readily available that uh, manages, <laughs> I loosely say that, mood, at least takes some of the pain away temporarily only by adding another problem altogether. So that leads into its own problems. And if you can't tell listeners, this is a compounding effect of all of these different pressures and experiences compound across a person's life and lead to these really, really rough situations that are extremely unsafe. A lot of individuals also experience homelessness. More research from NAMI shows that 8% of transgender adults across all sexual orientation identities experience homelessness versus 3% of cisgender and gender queer sexual minority adults. So that's looking at specifically transgender individuals versus cisgender individuals, regardless of that sexual orientation. Now, if we compare it to cisgender straight adults, that's only 1% of people who experience homelessness. And they say recent hopelessness without an actual definition of it presented in the article. Now, if we're looking at more intersectionality, African-American adults who identify with a sexual minority had higher rates, so 6% of housing instability. Additionally, 17% of sexual minority adults reported they experienced lifetime homelessness, which is more than twice what NAMI found in a general population study. Most respondents, so 71%, who have ever experienced homelessness did so as adults. So that's over the age of 18. Sure, but that suggests then that 29% were adolescents. And yes. if we haven't broken your heart yet, listener... We, we need to soften it up some because this is incredible pain that's going on right around you. And you may not realize how close it is. You may not realize a friend or a loved one who is going through this struggle quietly. A lot of people don't feel comfortable coming out and that's okay. It is okay to not feel comfortable. It just it's important to seek help from professionals who are ready to help you feel comfortable in who you are. For listeners who are going through these struggles, you're not alone. My office is open. I'm happy to help you. I want to and, help you. And I understand the risk of coming to a healthcare provider because you would hope that the assumption they would be caring and open to everyone would be true. And it's not always. Which we'll get to in just a minute. But first... <laughs> Continuing all of these compounding effects, there are many people who reach a point where there isn't an answer that feels right and 
they decide that the answer to this question is death and suicide becomes their final response. A 2015 review found that lesbian, gay, and bisexual individuals are four times more likely to attempt suicide than heterosexual people. In transgender communities, those rates are even higher. 43% of transgender people have attempted suicide in their lifetime. Additionally, LGBTQIA youth who said they were subjected to conversion therapy reported more than twice the rate of attempting suicide in the past year compared to those who were not. 70% of respondents said their mental health was poor most of the time or always during COVID-19. So this is within the past year. More than 80% of LGBTQIA plus youth said that COVID-19 made their living situation more stressful. Only one in three youth found their home to be LGBT affirming. That's heavy. It's heavy, y'all. We're seeing increased risk in suicide, either attempts or gestures or completion. And a lot of this research is done within the past year and the impacts of COVID and having to live in a home that isn't supportive of you with no escape. It's been really, really scary. And I've had a lot of people in my office as well as a lot of friends struggling through how to manage this because it's not easy. And when you're stuck in a home that's not affirming or doesn't understand you, maybe they're trying to be affirming, but it's not being successful. It can feel so painful and so isolating. Which leads into how to ask for help. It's hard. It is really hard to ask for help. Unfortunately, another issue that LGBT individuals run into is inadequate health care. 30% of LGBT adults are more likely to delay or not seek medical care compared to 17% in other communities. There's a fear of discussing identity due to discrimination or gender bias. And then On top of that, the process for obtaining gender confirmation surgery involves having to get a diagnosis of gender dysphoria from a mental health practitioner. Not only do you have to explain to a doctor that your physical body does not feel comfortable, you then have to explain it to another doctor or therapist and say that this is a mental health issue. This is an illness of my brain. It's not actually something that's real that I could have just as an existence. It also has to be a mental illness. And And it's not a mental illness. It cannot be. I mean, the dysphoria part can, but being transgender is not the disorder. And that's that's a confusion a lot of times. It's the dysphoria part. I just want to emphasize that because it's a misunderstanding by a, a huge number of people, including professionals. And then another thing that's even more prohibitive to this is that typically you're expected to have a history of care with this therapist, which adds more money to something that's already really, really expensive, just so that you can live in the body that you feel comfortable in. And this is as simple as like having top surgery or having a double mastectomy. You have to go have a discussion with a mental health therapist about why you don't want to have breasts. That's a thing. And that baffles me. Sure. And is that true if you have cash, if you're not using insurance? That I don't know. So I would Um, imagine that this is another one of the economic issues here. If you have cash, you probably don't have to because you don't have to defend it to an insurance company so that they cover it. That makes sense. 
Yeah. I wouldn't be and, surprised. I mean, having money in this culture solves most problems. Yeah. Solves most problems and causes twice as many. Oh. Well, having money solves the problems. Getting yes, the money is what causes problems. So yeah, just all of these different pieces coming into play for one person. Just take a moment and think about, all right, you're an 18 year old. You've just been launched off as an adult. You're coming from a family that didn't validate you. So off you go, have a great life. You're trying to struggle your way through college maybe. So maybe you have some access to healthcare, but not a lot. It's pretty limited. There's not an easy way for you to focus on stuff. School starts getting harder and harder. Now you're dropping out of school. Maybe you have a part-time job, but that's weighing on it. And all of these anxieties and depressions and just you're feeling crushed by it all. Can't pay your bills. Now you're out. You're homeless. You're jumping from various locations or maybe even just sleeping on the streets. You get sick. Surprise. Can't afford health care. So you can see how this really easily slides all the way down to that feeling of hopelessness and that feeling of being so stuck in a life that you don't want to live anymore, that suicide becomes the answer. And that's not a culture I'm okay with, which is why I'm so passionate about fighting for change in this. You had a statistic about conversion therapy causing more than twice the rate of suicide attempts. Can you tell us more about what conversion therapy is for those who might not be familiar with it? Conversion therapy is a range of dangerous and discredited practices that falsely claim to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. Key thing here, falsely claim. There is no research that, that shows that any of those supposed therapies or practices do anything other than brainwash. And traumatize. It, yeah, brainwashing generally is traumatizing. But yes, absolutely. It's a trauma. Many states have laws against it. Unfortunately, not all 50 states do. So parents who are particularly against this expression in their child might drag them to, to one of these quacks. How about that? Oh, he's throwing out the strong words now. And well, we I are, am. I mean, we are based in North Carolina, which is not, not on the list on the list. Yeah. And I'm speaking right to those practitioners who might be in my profession doing this, that you're a quack. And if you want to come at me, come at me. Let's go to it. So according to a recent report by the Williams Institute of UCLA, an estimated 20,000 LGBTQ minors in the States without protections will be subjected to conversion therapy by a licensed healthcare professional if state officials fail to act. That is ridiculous. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be anywhere. I don't know why we don't have a federal statute against that to protect minors. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. And the, the whole thing, conversion therapy echoes the idea that you are not accepted by the family, by the community, by anyone. You have to be changed. You're wrong. You're bad. And that is not the message we want to, to send. There are lots more studies that tell us even more about the effects on, on mental health and all of this. San Francisco State University found that compared with LGBTQ young people who were not rejected or who were only a little rejected by their parents and caregivers because of their gay or transgender identity versus highly rejected LGBTQ young people. 
So that's the two groups, right? Fairly accepted or lightly had difficulty at that coming out moment and then afterwards versus folks who had pretty big rejection. The ones who were pretty big rejected, 8.4 times more likely to report having attempted suicide. 8.4. 5.9 times more likely to report high levels of depression. 3.4 times more likely to use illegal drugs. 3.4 times more likely to be at high risk of HIV and STDs. And the reason for that is sexual acting out is much like any other drug. And it's that kind of thing takes away the emotional pain, but not really. It's not really a, a treatment. And so you become more at risk of, of any STD and in particular HIV. That's, I mean, again, we're throwing out a lot of stats to you re listeners, and this is a lot. The key thing to take from this is this whole group of people is uh, oppressed by the way folks who are not in this group respond to them. And that's a, an important thing. That's a thing that you can do differently every day. You can be more accepting of others. Listen, ask questions, try and understand them from their point of view, and let go of your judgment. Let go of your own fear. Just because somebody you're talking to is in this group doesn't mean you will become in this group or that your kid will become in this group. It's not how it works. Just like when cancer was first coming out, it was thought it was catching, that you could catch cancer from someone else. You can't. And you can't catch this from anyone else. Be more compassionate. Be more understanding. Ask more questions. Learn more about all of this. There's room for all of us in this world. And if you're scared to ask the people in your life about this stuff, reach out to professionals. Reach out to people who advocate for this. The Trevor Foundation is a huge group of people who advocate for LGBTQIA plus individuals. And we'll have their information in the show notes. Reach out to people. Use the internet. Find resources to educate yourself until you do feel comfortable talking to the people that you love. I know sometimes it feels like you might accidentally invalidate them. And that can also feel really scary because you don't want to do that. So if you feel like you need to educate yourself before having those conversations, please reach out. My email is always open. I am happy to talk with you about this and the process of going through this. It's not easy on any side. Definitely not easy if you're in the community, but also not easy to be a parent of someone who is coming out to you about this change in the way that you perceive them. And we can help with the parents too, with the entire family, with siblings, all of that. Because when, when someone comes out with all of this and, and states their truth, they've been thinking about it for a very long time. And often this is the first time the family has been consciously aware of what's going on. So sometimes everybody, the entire family needs some help to be more accepting and, and understanding of all of this and actually more curious. Now, that's one of the things that, that happens a lot. We move to judgment too quickly and we are not curious enough. I almost made it through this episode without crying. I'm just so blessed to have a family where it wasn't even a problem. Like my coming out story, quote, quote, to mama is literally just a dad joke. We were hanging paintings in my apartment and she said, Kim, that's not straight. And I said, neither am I, uh, you know, like <laughs> to have that 
acceptance in our family is awesome to me. And I wish more people had that. And it, I mean, it breaks my heart that it's not a normalized experience. I think that the first person who told me that you were queer was like, Jarrett. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't tell me. I did. Which like also doesn't matter, but you just like never bothered to tell me. (laughs) I think I told Sarah. That's awkward. You definitely told Sarah. I think you told Jarrett at some point at like (laughs) one of our parties or something. And then he was like, he was like, yo, your sister like came out to me. Sorry. I'm cutting this from the episode. By the way, I'm bye. Actually, I don't know that you ever had a formal telling me anything. I did. We were driving to the APA thing where we met. Mnuchin. Mnuchin. Yes, and I we had remember. a conversation in the car and you were like, Meh, is bi really a thing? And I got like really hype about it. And then you're like, okay, I see that. Like wow. that, that was it. And Are I explained any... it and I explained how I felt about it. And you were like, okay. Are there any other resources you want to talk about besides Trevor Project? Yes. I mean, Trevor Project has a ton of different resources. They have the Lifeline. They have a confidential online instant message tool. They have a text message tool. All of this is confidential. We'll drop all of those different things in the show notes. On top of that, we have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Again, this information will be in the show notes. You can also now text the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You just text the word hello to 741741. So all of those are great resources if you want to reach out. If you're looking and actively looking for a therapist, Psychology Today is a great resource for looking for therapists in the area. If you're not local to North Carolina, you can still reach out and I can still help you find local professionals near you. Uh, I have a pretty extensive network within the queer community and queer therapeutic professionals. And Psychology Today represents all 50 states. Sorry, that too. (laughs) Cool. Well, this wraps up our arc on the LGBTQ plus community. From terminology all the way through to today's episode about mental health challenges that are unique to this group. I want to give Kim a big shout out because she did the majority of the researching and the driving of this arc. And she also found our guest for this arc. So props to you, Kim. We've reached the end of the road somewhat in terms of how far we planned this season in advance. So I can't tell you right now what our next arc is going to be. And we may even abandon the arc model. But don't forget to tune in next week because we will be here talking about life and mental health and relationships. So until then, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services 
from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.